Hello everybody, Josh here. This past week at our recording session, we ran into multiple technical difficulties that ended up with us not having a new episode ready to go for you this week. Fortunately, I took the opportunity to grab the audio from the FASA company panel that we did for the Oracalcum convention back in July of 2020. Somebody was kind enough to provide me with the raw files cleaned up a bunch of background noise and extraneous bits, uh, truncated some of the extended silences that pop up in an online panel like that. And while it's not perfect, it should be reasonably good for you to listen to. It ends up being a little bit over an hour, so about the same length as our regular shows. You get to hear some voices of the other members of the team, not just me. Uh, So you'll hear from Kyle and Carl and Morgan and Michael and Andy and all the rest of them, uh, James and and Don, the art folks. So I hope you enjoy this. Uh, We have sorted out the problems uh, and we will be back next week with a new episode. If you have any questions or comments, as always, you can email us edsgpodcast at gmail.com. Without further ado, let's get into the FASA Company panel from Oracalcum 2020. Fourth edition. Yes, you are not wrong. It's fourth edition, like the fourth edition of Earth Dome. I'm trying to do my best with my radio voice, which I can't mitigate anymore. So let me introduce you to the FASA team, which are all together for the first international online Earth Dome convention, Oricalcum. Welcome, FASA. Thank you for having all of us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We heard you. How do you want us to start? Maybe some introductions from the team? Sure. I think team intros would be good, right? Yeah, that way they can place a mellifluous voice to the name. And since I'm already talking, I will go first. Uh, many of you actually know me. I'm Josh. I um, was over there in Poland last year, thanks to the kind invitation of Oraya and Kosmit and the rest of them and had a wonderful time. And I'm so glad to be involved uh, this year um, and miss you all. And it would be great at some point in the future to be able to get back there to you. Hopefully one day uh, it will be possible uh, because uh, Oricalcum was much better with you guys here. Oh, thanks. All right. How about uh, Morgan? Uh, I'm Morgan and I am the principal designer, and that's probably enough for now. He's so much more, but all right, we'll let him off the hook. Because he did give a lecture yesterday. Carl, our mysterious friend. Dzień <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh My name is Carl. Uh, I am a member of the Earthdown team since, oh boy, was it 2018? Started maybe late 2017. Um, uh, along with Kyle and Michael, uh, we, you know, uh, Kind of help move the uh, uh, Legends of Bar Save series forward. Uh, you know, things for convention play, uh, that living campaign, and uh, we have recently started getting involved in more things, such as uh, Elven Nations, uh, and yeah, some of the recent products that have been coming out. So that's been a really exciting arc for all of us. I think, not to speak for them. How dare you speak? 
I'm uh, Michael. Uh, like Carl said, I joined the, the team 2018. Um, we started working with the Legend of the Bar Save products, and we moved on to other source books, so writer, game master, other bits and bobs. Kyle? I'm Kyle. Uh, joined up with uh, Michael and Carl, Legends of Bar Save stuff, and uh, the first thing that I've been the lead writer on, Empty Thrones, is up on Kickstarter now. I'd also like to introduce Don. Hello. I'm Don. I... Joined the EarthCon team uh, this year, uh, actually last year, 2019. I was originally the art director of, and still am the art director for 1879 uh, and created the uh, webcomic graphic novel, Cape City High. Uh, and they've tapped me uh, this past year uh, in 2019 and 2020 to create the webcomic and graphic novel uh, uh, based in EarthCon's sandbox. Uh, for Champions Challenge. So that's my involvement. So you are responsible for all being dead? No! no. <laughs> or at least, at least at the paper. If you don't like it, it's my fault. If you like it, it's Kyle's fault. I was just the messenger. I have, I have the great honor of also announcing our newest member, James. Hi, everybody. I'm, uh, I'm James. New art director of Earth Dawn. I joined the team uh, in April of 2020. So I'm super happy and excited to be here meeting everybody. Andy, and what about you? She's the cat herder. She's the beast master. She, she's, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> However, I've missed all of you, Jen Dobre, and it is great to at least hear from everyone. And I'd like to introduce you to your Earth Dawn team, and we hope you have questions. Answers. I need answers. They will not give you those. 42. We we promise no answers. You you can ask them now. Okay, so uh, I was asked uh, one question today, and I need to ask you because I don't know the exact answers. Uh, The books about uh, Outside of Versailles. Do you have any timeline? I know the Arancia is being written, the Vasgotia too, Creana, if I remember correctly. Could you expand on this? Yes. Those are all in various stages of development, but because of the lessons that we learned from the original Kickstarter. Um, we are not going to provide any kind of release dates or specific timeline until they're close to finished and we can say, hey, we're launching a Kickstarter for this next book. Okay, so uh, you don't Actually, want to give us... How is Viscopia look? Because you're my lead reviewer for Viscopia. What do you want uh, me to say? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've how been working... Not a uh, timeline, but how's it coming along? Sure, yeah. Vascothia is coming along uh, really well. I've been working with uh, a new uh, writer, so I've been doing the editing on it. Uh, We have some rough draft stuff in, and I'm very excited with the uh, expanded direction that takes uh, takes what's in the Theron Empire book and runs with it to turn it from one chapter into a a full source book. I think uh, over the past year or so, we've gotten a really good handle on it and... uh, be moving forward with it soon. I'm sure you'll hear more before too much longer. So 
the Vasgothia is the one that is uh, in the lead of development or some other? Vasgothia is the one that I feel most comfortable about them talking about yet. All right. Which is it, not an answer, but still an answer. Yeah, okay. Uh, any new races in Vasgothia? Uh, well, if you uh, remember the Theron Empire book, uh, Vasgothia does have uh, quite a few unique races. So one of the things that we're looking into with the book and need to uh, dive into a little bit is whether or not those race options are interesting enough for a player character. And a lot of things as they are presented are a little two-dimensional. So we're working on cool ways to expand them and to make it interesting for, say, someone to play as a leafer. Uh, if we can't make it interesting, then probably won't offer it as an option, but we're hoping that uh, there's a cool way to expand those things and make them relatable. Will there, will there be a chapter about questers in Vasgothia? And I hope everyone knows why I'm asking this. Well, it is currently planned for there to be a chapter about uh, the faith and their passions, and um, we have not fully fleshed out the mechanics or anything yet, but we definitely hope to dive into, uh, very deeply dive into what is going on with their passions. But uh, the story holds uh, still the same, that the passions sacrificed, or you are planning some, something else? Uh, the, their passions, uh, for all intents and purposes, definitely appear to be dead. Appear to be dead. Okay. So that's what I wanted to know. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, any yeah. other people have questions? Because Fasa will hate me if I will ask more. As <laughs> a quick, will, but... As a quick follow-up to that, just as a general rule, we've taken an approach where... We're, we're trying to take an approach with development of stuff that's had previous mention in earlier editions to not go and contradict stuff without good reason. So generally speaking, if you've got a significant thing that's been mentioned about an area like the fate of the passions in Vasgothia, we aren't going to go back and say, oh, that's completely not what happened, generally. As much as we can. But you can uh, put an essay from the guy that believes that the patients are alive and don't know what everybody is talking about. And this is why Erdan is so great. Yeah, that I think the idea great. of like un un unreliable narrators and you know presenting a few options that really let players flesh out that universe for themselves with just kind of guidelines rather than, you know, this is the gospel of exactly what happened here. You know, the, uncovering the mysteries is such a huge part of the game that I think we want to preserve that. Hmm, I could imagine Gospel of Joss. You really don't want to hear that. Everybody dies. No, it would be Gospel of Andy. From just, what I've heard about your sessions. I do nothing. I just hang out. That's all I do. Okay, I know I have birthday tomorrow, but I don't want it to be like uh, Cosmic talking to FASA team, but the panel, so maybe some other people would ask questions. I promise they're friendly. We like questions. Yeah, we know it. Well, how about we ask you guys a question? Are you happy with the direction you're seeing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> to be honest, yes. And uh, I am more than happy to say that uh, we really see the changing of an art director uh, between the books. Yeah, James so, is a lot better than I am. Oh, Andy, don't sell yourself short. 
you're, you're doing like five jobs all at the same time. Yeah, but we both know I do not have an artistic eye. Never pretended, never lied about it. You're doing much better than I was doing. I get to claim that I kind of helped pick you, though, so... Oh, there, there you go. Um, yeah, no, uh, th- thank you for the comment. Well, uh, thank you, thank you for the comment. Um, yeah, it, I got sort of uh, thrown thrown into the deep end. Um, by the time I joined the team, IOPOS, I think, had already been funded. And um, I think uh, uh, the very first time I asked the question, uh, when, when would you like the art to be done? Uh, Ross said, well, in a perfect world, the art would already be done. Um, so, uh, so we had to... So we had to work on IOPOS really, really fast. We went to work, found some new artists, worked with a couple of artists from previous Earthon books. I mean, uh, yeah, Earthon has such such an iconic look that it's been uh, it's been quite an experience going through decades of, of archives, looking at art and uh, and trying to find out how best to go forward as well. Is this rush uh, a reason that there is no IOPOS map? <laughs> um, the, actually, no. no, I don't have a good uh, answer about the map other than to say I really want I, to... I do. Okay. Mostly with maps, the thing is is that it's finding a good map maker who is available, who has time that everybody likes and working it out. So And fits the budget. And fits the budget. So it's more of a matter of there's no map yet and I think James might be able to help with this one the most because of how it's kind of tiered is, I think, an even harder map to find somebody for. Uh, sure, that's a fair statement. Um, Iopos is, is, yeah, the, the city has a really intense verticality to it. Um, so depicting a top-down, a, certainly a detailed top-down map. Uh, I've seen lots of comments floating around about even a general idea um, would, be, would be helpful. So it's on... It's 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 on my radar, and uh, it's just a matter of how best to how best to, to just to see what we can do about it. But uh, we're definitely gonna uh, take that uh, uh, take that as a lesson going forward. Everybody likes maps. I already knew we all like maps. It's just finding the right one. And again, that doesn't mean it won't happen. I think this is more of a yes. At least I feel like it's a yes. What do you think, James? Uh, here, I like maps too. Oh yes, I, absolutely. I think uh, an IOPOS map should definitely happen. James, hello. Orea is uh, the lady who's been doing our LOB map. Lovely to meet you. I, I didn't see which square lit up when you talked. Thank you. Lovely to meet you too. It's nice to finally hear your voice. Your work on our LOBs has really brought it to life. Thank you so much for all your help. That's an oh, honor that's for great. me, really. I don't think the guys yeah. actually heard you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. Since I asked about it a couple of times, but um, probably from what you are talking about, the maps in the earliest LOB will be updated in this uh, new uh, Volume 1, Haven Volume 1? We talked about that at our staff meeting this earlier this week, and uh, it is... Being investigated, okay. I think it. I think it's likely, but I don't remember offhand what the final resolution on that was. I have a time if you need some. Yep, use use uh, use Araya well while she's raising her baby, and still have time. 
I believe we're going to try to get you to do some maps for the next one, too. Okay, since silence is nothing we want, um, you announced your stretch goal for this campaign, which are character cards. Uh, are there any more stretch goals? And I know that you learned your lesson from the first Kickstarter. I even talk about it in the Hall of Records today, that the first Kickstarter was hard for everybody. Uh, but what what about stretch goals for this campaign? Well, we because this newest campaign funded and succeeded, I think as quickly or right around the same as the original campaign. Um, projections are tough about where it's going to end up. And we were talking about what we might be able to do easily, but there are no final decisions that have been made about that yet. That's not totally true. We had one. The PDF of a certain object. Oh, okay. If you want to say it, go ahead. Certain object. Because we did come up with it, we were doing it, okay. and I thought even at what point. Um, yes, okay. So there has been, um, as you may recall, one of the stretch goals from the earlier campaign with Mystic Pads, I think it was, was the poster size map of Bar Save that was in the Game Master's book. Um, we have not yet released a digital version of that yet. Um, so that is something that I had kind of put to the side and have pulled it back in as something to finish up as a stretch goal if we hit, what was it, 20, was it? Michael, what was it? Uh, we were saying 25. Okay. Because the, the cards are at 20, right? Yes. That's a Okay. So it is something that was planned to be done eventually, but got kind of backburnered because of everything else. So it'll be finished up and released when we hit 25 on the current campaign. And I believe the details on it were when we hit 25, all backers get the PDF, right? Um, yeah. I think that was what it was. Somebody on the team correct me. That's, that's that what sounds right. Yep. Free download for all backers. All right. So uh, one advice from experience with Telarus map, uh, include layers for people that would like to print it without the cities uh, marked. I will investigate that as a possibility. Yeah, because uh, to export PDF into a layered PDF, it's not that hard. So... If you need help, you know where to look for me. You all just heard him volunteer, right? I volunteer as tribute for you every time. And uh, this is the question that I'm poking around every time I get to speak with you. But 30th anniversary is coming. Are there any plans for something special? To survive that long. Come on. I'm thinking alcohol. We've got like two or three years. I... Andy and I have started talking about idea. Okay. I think in the meantime, it's really just a matter of making sure that we're consistently putting out, you know, source books that are expanding the setting and, and, and providing new options to people. So, uh, you know, we're just kind of keeping our heads down and trying to do a good job right now. Yeah, of course. But with 
and uh, like I don't know 30th anniversary edition you've got all the material already written uh, I won't say it's just a matter a matter of a layout or something but it's uh, just a matter of layout or something the the number of times that I have thought to myself oh it's just a matter of doing <laughs> this and found out that it was more complex than that are um, too numerous to mention at this point. Cosmic is an optimist. Yeah. Every time. We like optimists. But speaking yes, of it, it is on our radar and we are talking about ideas so that we have enough of a run-up time for it to happen on time. I was going to say... I will not say any more than that. All right. Why don't I let some of the guys talk about projects that they are working on a little bit? Uh, Michael's working on one. Carl's is working on one. You guys already know Kyle's. Morgan, for those of you who missed out yesterday. That's Sorry? Correct, yeah. Yep. So why don't I let you guys all talk about And uh, Josh is working on one. So why don't you guys talk about various projects that you're working on? I'll go first. Uh, well, I'm working on an update to the Grand Bazaar um, outside of Thrall, which I, I assume we, everyone knows about. Um, I talked about this at Gen Con last year. Uh, the, the book has kind of reshaped itself a little bit. Um, it's going to be much more focused on NPCs, locations, different businesses, and some uh, kind of some post-Theron War um, sentiments that have kind of leaking into Thrall, uh, starting with the Bazaar and possibly leaving into uh, some other updates in the future. And it will be about the Grand Bazaar, right? Or the Barclay Correct. It'll, it'll be completely focused on the Grand Bazaar. Whoa. I think you surprised him, Michael. <laughs> yeah. To be, to be honest, yes, I, I'm surprised because... We... Well, the, the first edition material on the Grand Bazaar is always kind of, I don't want to say uh, sketchy, but it, it wasn't very detailed. There was just kind of some mentions of stuff. There was a lot left open to interpretation, uh, so it seemed like a good place for me to kind of f fill in some of the gaps and not completely, you know, give you a, a street by street, person by person view of it, but to, to give some color and, and add some depth. And, I was always Josh, uh, and I was going to say, and use that as an opportunity to start exploring some of the changes in Thrall in the wake of the Second War and the new royal family and things like that without tackling an entire Thrall sourcebook. Right. One of the design philosophies we've had is that we don't want to just reprint old stuff, so we only want to revisit things that are interesting, but then we still also want to have it to be a whole book. So revisiting all of Thrall, a lot of it might be kind of similar, but deep diving into the Grand Bazaar, I think, is a really cool way for us to explore Thrall. And, and uh, you know, to, to to everyone's point as well, the idea that we can then touch base on what's happening kind of closer to the core uh, uh, of the, you know, the, the world that we know through the previous editions while still being able to kind of expand out the, the game context to incorporate new provinces and new parts of the world. Uh, that's something that I think was important to us as well. You know, it's not just like bringing shiny new things out in front of people, but, you know, touching on what's happening back in the areas people, people know. And for example, how pubs change those areas, because in Iopos it was uh, already present that the pubs uh, are influenced because of the city. Right. 
I think the I think the announcement of Empty Thrones and so forth had a lot of people recognize some of the dominoes that we had set up and got ready to knock down in asides and references and stuff in some of the in-character material from earlier books that puts a lot of stuff in greater context. Um, since we are all fans and we'll get it sooner or, or later, could... Oh, no, we are speaking about new projects. I will ask my question later. Kyle, so, you want to talk or Carl, you want to talk about yours? Sure. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm... Uh, I'm lead writer currently on a Kriana source book, um, you know, with, uh, with a lot of the focus on Iopos this year, you know, that's, uh, that's been a big thing, but, um, I don't know that we have necessarily a timeline for that. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're really taking kind of the, the sparse information that was provided in the Theron empire book and, and just really expanding it out. So you can, you know, host entire campaigns in Kriana and, you know, that, that comes complete, not just with different, thematic elements to explore in the world uh but you know also just really getting into detail on um you know just just the many ways that kriana differs from bar save you know bar save is is on the whole fairly sparsely populated whereas kriana has these areas that are you know their metropolis is like you know the the capital city i think alone is half a million people um so you know that that influences the way that a lot of different things interact uh hopefully people will enjoy that and it's also probably the province historically been on the best terms uh or among the best terms with the theron empire uh and so that's going to lend a very different feel to it than kind of the you know the the rebellious nature of uh bar safe province so hopefully people are excited for a very very different piece of the uh the fourth world josh uh in now that the creative direction that I was working with Kyle on as far as um, a little bit of Iopos and Empty Thrones is put to bed, I am finally able to turn my attention to the uh, Europa Soros book, which I mentioned last year, um, and actually have a um, writing partner that I've uh, got um, working with. He's currently working on another project right now with um, another company heading up a, a book on uh, for the Delta Green Line. But once, once he's, he's done, done with that, that he's going to be coming back and we're really going to start off uh, work on Yoruba and really fleshing out and focusing on some stuff with that city, which hasn't received a lot of attention or really been involved in a lot of provincial events in the past. Really explore some ideas there and the social conflicts that exist I've got some action issues. Don't worry. Don't mind it. Okay. Um, and yes, Basti, um, a little bit of exploring some of the other areas around the shores of the RSC and the people from across the RSC and bringing back a little bit more of the um, horrors element that hasn't been quite as much of a focus for some of the recent books um, because of the presence of the Abyss of Arasnahem and Ristul and things like that, um, especially where Europa is a city steeped in theater and performance and art, tying in the horrors and, um, you know, how the idea of art being a defense or indicator of purity uh, kind of ties those themes together pretty nicely. And that's what one of the things that we're hoping to be exploring in that book. Um 
Well, I wanted to say that I was trying to find some information about Europa. And it's funny because the third edition uh, rulebook has less information than the first edition Serpent River. Yeah, I found that as well when I was doing my reference searches for mentions of Europa and the Aras Sea in uh, first edition source books and so forth. Um, searchable PDFs are wonderful when you can just put in Europa and see how many times it gets mentioned in you know, a book that doesn't really have it as a focus. Morgan, I know you talked about it yesterday, but a little bit today? Uh, yeah, the project I have planned, hopefully for next year, is tentatively titled Magic Deeper Secrets. It's going to delve into uh, expanding the magic in the Earthbound setting, introducing uh, new types of enchanting, enchanting that uh, appeared in previous editions but hasn't yet made its return. Um, new spells, new knacks. And more of that. Okay. Hey, Don. I know that you've just kind of wrapped up Champions Challenge, but I guess the question for you would be, have you started thinking about doing a second one? Well, um, the good news is, is that uh, Champions Challenge that I just finished up was Volume 1, and that is The Journey Begin. And as that in, uh, kind of uh, ensues is that there's more. Um, when I first working with the Earth Dawn team on this, um, uh, I was instructed to put a, an outline together, uh, a story, and how it continues. So I've only uh, done part of that outline. There's lots more coming. And I got to say, working with the Earth Dawn team on this has been a lot of fun. This is a great team to work with because... I've got so much information. It's like, I want to do this. Can I do that? And they're like, well, yeah, that'll work if we do this. And, and, and then I'll say, can I do this? And they're like, well, yeah, you can do that if. And so I always get the, well, and then they go, yeah, that'll work. And so it's been fun working with it. And yeah, there's part two coming, and that's going to be starting up again. As soon as I get caught up on some other FASA artwork that I'm getting done, it's no rest for the wicked, I guess, if that answers your question. Yes, it does. Did I skip anybody, team? No, I think you got everybody. Awesome. Andy, so what are you working on? What am I working on? Well, there was a project I wanted to do, and it kind of got waylaid. So we'll see. Maybe I'll actually get to drag my project back out. She's working on us and making sure we work as a team. <laughs> She's working on a drinking problem. It's fine. <laughs> well, at least you admit you have a problem. No, I'm working on it. It's not a problem yet. Oh, oh, you're trying to develop it. Yeah, I'm trying to. I got to put more effort into it. She's part of the development team. Come on. She... Like I messaged, like I mentioned yesterday in my game. I mean, I can drink. I can. I, I can drink uh, Cosmin under the table, but. Bathy, Bathy, I could at least keep heads. So maybe, maybe by the time I get to go back out, I can drink Bathy under the table. See, I gotta practice. Build up that muscle. Yeah, I just want to sleep. It was comfortable there. She doesn't have a problem. She drinks. She gets drunk. She falls down. No problem. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Me, okay. me and Bassie did not fall down. Me and Bassie were up well before everybody else and we're bright, shiny, happy people. Hmm. 
Cosmic, not so much. Josh, not so much. It is true. It was allergy. Yeah. It was allergy. <laughs> what was Josh's excuse? I'm a lightweight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Aurora asked about great Fira. Fira. Oh, over in the uh, Facet Teams chat, asking if we'll touch on Great Thera, um, City and Empire, I suppose. We have not really talked about it. Yeah, I think um, it's one of those things, like I was saying before, where we don't want to rewrite what's already there, and we only want to explore what's interesting and changing. Uh, I think it's clear from the, the direction of 4th edition that Thera's view of bar save is very different than it once was, but we have to find an interesting hook to turn it into a whole project. So I, I will say that a little bit of Theron Empire disposition is kind of touched on and danced around in Vascothia, but it's not the focus of the product or anything. Yeah, and it's also... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Carl. So, yeah, I think I think that's something that's going to come up more and more with a lot of individual, um, you know, Theron-owned or formerly Theron-owned provinces, uh, however that plays out. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll see updates on that, but it's not necessarily going to be the main focus because those, in, in part, are defined by their relationship with Thera, at least as we, we know them already. Uh, but, yeah, I think pretty much uh, how Kyle said it, you know, there's a lot of scheming and ideas and, and, you know, moves being made in the background. And I think we're aware of, um, you know, how that's kind of playing out from the Theron end. But yeah, until there's like a big, bold new thing uh, direction wise that lets us have the material for a new book and not just rehash old material, um, it's, it's still in the shadows. Yeah. And there is a little bit of Theron adjacent material in one bit of Empty Throne. This is true. And I think when we get to, after Europa, my next big dream project is the um, revised Vivane and Skypoint set, which will probably have a bit more Theron connection and influence as well. But that's down the road away. And what's really great about that is that somehow we have to strong arm Ross in Elena's making a box set. Like, I really want to see a box, box set. Yep. Like Bersafe box set with all the nations combined. You dream big. I like that. You know what's funny when we got we when we had like twenty years of Airdown with every edition reprinting the old stuff. We get bored, but after a couple of years having new stuff, I kind of would like to see. Refurbishing the old material, like the nations are still valid for the fourth edition flop wise. Yeah, all except we're specifically things. updated in the in the GM's guide. Um, I think at this point we're we're maybe a little bit more comfortable revisiting some of that stuff because we have had enough books come out and the quality of those has demonstrated to new fans as well as returning fans who might have been a little bit disillusioned with um, some of the, the stuff in, in third edition as far as reprints go um, to go along with us when we are focusing on something that is that has been previously uh, we pressed an appreciation for the work we've done thus far for them to know that it's not a simple cash grab to reprint something yeah, this is this is one of the biggest observations that everybody, I think, everybody has made 
that you did a really great job and still making it. So you have the full support of the community. And look how the community has grown since the fourth edition. The number of new players is increasing every time. And even in the wake of the Facebook, the forum is still alive with questions. Yeah, that that may be the thing that if I boil it all down, that I am perhaps proudest of that, that we have accomplished with fourth edition. And that is, you know, the, the work of the whole team is putting out quality product by people who, um, you know, really enjoy and love the setting and want to do right. Yeah. And with, with what you said, probably no one would have a problem if you would make uh, one of the stretch goals uh, in another campaign, for example, to, to put a reference. Because people trust you. Well, thanks for saying. I don't know how much Andy wants me to say about this, but I will say one of the projects I'm working on does have the exact same title as a first edition book. So we, we uh, do know that there's interest there for sure. Adept's Way or Legends of Versailles? Mm-hmm. One thing that we haven't talked about yet is what I'm referring to. Name givers? Mm. <laughs> Come on, give us something. Give us something. I feel like the great Cosmos says that Andy says nope on that one. Oh, come on. What can you lose? We are small Polish community. Don't find the all international people here. We want uh, to recording And the recording that's going to be up. <laughs> okay, so we'll... We'll, we'll save it for the drinking session after everything's wrapped up. All right. <laughs> record, off the record. There are some questions in the chat. Cosmic, do you want to read them? Yeah, of course. Uh, what is your sense of... Okay, so Ethereal has a question. Uh, That's great. A second, yeah. But what is your sense of how the fan base has grown since the original ED4 Kickstarter? Well, I haven't been involved since the original Kickstarter. I was just a humble backer. But I will say that uh, the sense I get from running conventions back before you know pandemic and everything went digital, the sense I had was that a lot of people were still fans of first edition and were coming back to it. And a lot of them were like, oh, I'm bringing my friends who know nothing about this. So uh, I think we have a good mix of old fans and new fans. And I've seen a lot of people... Uh, be very interested uh, coming back to us or also just giving us a chance and being very interested in the way the, the world works in unique ways. And one thing I'd like to address as well, because I was involved there from the beginning, there was in, in the sort of early days to that first Kickstarter and some of the rules changes and updates that we were making for fourth edition came out, there was a contingent of people who were rather um, skeptical uh, of what was going on. Um, And many of them, not all of them, but many of them have, since the books have come out and developed and they've actually played with the new edition and seen how everything fits together, have been won over uh, to the new edition um, and have, have embraced it and started spreading the, uh, the love of it in a way that I don't remember from my days as a fan and 
semi-contributor back in, in the, the classic and, and third edition days. Yeah, because one converted person is sometimes worth more than five or ten uh, funds. Because if, if someone is against something and finally start to appreciate it, it really shows that you did a great job. Yeah, I remember when the Kickstarter was live and everyone was focused on whether or not removing armor-defeating hits was a good uh, thing. And I think the the mechanics of extra successes and all that sort of stuff versus the table of good, extraordinary successes has borne out for many of our fans as being a good idea. Uh, okay, another question. I, uh, what, Andy? I was going to ask if a certain someone over there who we had won over the fourth edition, even though it's in English had started reading it. Because I believe once he starts reading it, I owe him some 1879 books to further his English. I have not forgotten. I don't know if this he's in here. Maybe he is. A certain person in kind of charge of Tilbury? Yankos? Yeah. No, he's counting, he's counting on us uh, translating the meeting for you, you know. <laughs> you tell him, I, I have not forgotten. He's supposed to be working on it. He's working on it. He's learning English. Good. Good. Because I'm watching. I'm waiting for him to be better at English than I am at Polish. <laughs> Won't be hard. Actually, English is easier, so maybe it will. <laughs> okay, another question from Habib, because it was uh, missed by me in the first time. Do you follow the artworks of Erdogan fans? Do you contact them on your own if you see some postage on the, for example, Earthdown Guild, or people have to come to you? Uh, if, sorry, uh, I occasionally stalk the uh, DeviantArt and will post sometimes from there. Go ahead, James. You're the you're the art guy. But James, you're in charge of that. Oh, uh, actually, truth be told, uh, because I think maybe I haven't been on the Earthdown Guild uh, for very long, I have not seen. Uh, original Earth Dawn art, uh, fan art, uh, across my feed. So I'm going to have to delve a lot, lot deeper. I see um, Joshua Fontenay's posts all the time. He posts lots of art that he likes, but it's sort of a historical or just a, you know old school uh, RPG art. So uh, if you want to tag me, um, send me a direct message. I would, I would love to see. I would love to see what the fans are interested in, and love to see what what. Uh, what you guys are doing, and um, hey, I'm I'm not against the idea of if uh, if we get something, if we see something that we like, um, uh, uh, you know, see if it's a seeing if it's something that we can put in a book or or commission you to do something for the book. I would I would totally do that. Since we are mentioning the art, uh, the discussions was held at the Fasa uh, Discord about, or it was Erdogan Guild about uh, this this sketchy arts and the conclusion were that it is not a problem with the sketchy arts but that they are gray when the other black uh, there is some decision about do you want to stick with the sketchy gray art or switch entirely to the hard black line in development, if you know what I mean, I can clarify. Yeah, I I know what you mean, um, and part of that has to do with individual artists' styles. 
like the pieces that were specifically called out, for example, were the um, the elementalist and uh, weaponsmith character sketches in the disciplines chapter or the, or the, the character art if I'm recalling now off the top of my head, who does tend to have a very loose, sketchy style. Um, and, you know, that that's a particular style and, and does in grayscale. And I think part of that just has to do with the way that the particular images might have been set up in the layout files and printing and stuff. So it can give a slightly different impression than some other things. So there were a little bit of, of some technical aspects of that, that especially in those earlier books might not have been quite so um, refined. Uh, so moving moving forward for me, as I as I imagine Earth Dawn art, there is nothing um, there's there's nothing timid about lines in uh, in Earth Dawn art. Everything I find the strongest Earth Dawn art that I've seen. Um, tends towards, you know, like I said, the, the, uh, leans more towards black and white rather than the sketchy 50% opacity gray. Um, so that's something that I've, uh, I've, I've actually talked with the artists about for this upcoming book, and we're going to be keeping an eye out for it. It's, it's my own personal preference. Uh, when I think about Earth Dawn art, I think the really strong blacks and whites uh, just lend themselves better to uh, to our to our format. If I can chime in about the comic, it's going to stay black and white. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Harvey, those are great. Be honest. Thank you. Uh, um, again, with with the Earthon team and looking at other uh, examples of what's been done and 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 the wealth of, of information and and uh, reference that's out there. Um, I do know that um, I do look at when I'm, when I'm trying to create what I want to put into the comic, I do a quick search of what else is out there, what has been done. Uh, of course, being an artist, I, I, I try and put my own spin on it, but try and try to stay true to what is so that the, re- the fans recognize what I've put in. Specifically, um, Josh was very kind and did a quick search for the, the Rackin. That I, that's gracing uh, the, the last pages of volume one. Um, he gave me three different examples of different interpretations of the same beast so that I can incorporate it and put it into the, in, into the book. And um, yeah, so as far as looking at fan art as another artist, I have to search and make sure I'm true to what's out there, if that helps. Okay, another question. Didn't you have one earlier that you would hold off on? Yeah. Who is responsible for killing cool? But Andy and I. In, but in game, not not. Oh well, for that you'll have to buy. <laughs> I already <laughs> bought it. I already bought it. Like for five people because I like dealer of Poland. <laughs> Message me privately, and maybe I'll give you a hint. See, I'll be nice. <laughs> like that's something that's going to be answered relatively soon. So, yeah. Uh, anybody who has the PDFs, or anybody who has, um, they show the galley proof uh, when the Kickstarter ends, and you'll know real quick. Yeah, but it's almost a month. <laughs> and you want I it now? You won't die. I promise you won't die. I think the the real question is, who do you think killed Ool? That is a very good question. 
Who do you guys in the audience think killed Uul? I think it was Outcast, to be honest, himself. Because he didn't, he didn't like the Uul growing in power or probably killing uh, killing uh, Valorus switched balance between great dragons because uh, Icewing is supporting Thrall and Outcast is supporting Iopoth, if everybody knows that, I hope. Spoiler alert. I will I won't say, say why. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I, I will say that you are not incorrect in that whoever it is that went after Ul did so with the outcast's blessing. Thought so. Is that fair to say? Yes. I'm happy. That, that was actually more directed at, at Kyle and Andy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, um, yeah, it's it's a little more complicated I, than just a dragon cold war, but I think that what I, Josh is saying is fair. I would say that it wasn't against what the outcast wanted. I don't know that there was ever a direct, yes, go and do that now. At least that's my impression. In you know, case, one of the... Case go ahead, anybody, Yeah, in case anybody was wondering... It is not the new character that is in the comic uh, and a member of the uh, Denarastis family. She didn't do it, if, any, if anybody wanted to. But it's all she just, fault anyways. <laughs> she just got to break the story. It was very exciting. Yes, it was very exciting. What do you think? Am I pretty close? Uh, I mean, yeah. It's a, It would be a bold play to walk up to a dragon and say, hey, can I kill your strongest servant, right? Yeah, see, I th- well, I was going to say, I don't also think that, I don't feel that, and you can correct me, I do not feel that the person who did it ever got a note going, hi, I'm Outcast, go ahead and kill that. I also don't feel like they ever actually went up and say, hey, Outcast, can I go do that? <laughs> but I also don't think that that means that they didn't really have permission either, because dragons and shit. Yeah. Nobody sent a cutely folded up note with hearts over the eyes that said, would you kill Ul for me? Yes, no. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> many things in life, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. That is true. I, one of the things that I'm actually kind of eager for is when the campaign is over and the book is out, my ability to talk about stuff will be loosened because I, I would actually like to sit down with Kyle at some point and do like a, okay, here is stuff that we considered and chucked out for Empty Thrones and why, and here's where these ideas came from. And like talk about the development of like a, a story advancement campaign book like that, because I think that's something that people would be interested in. I think that uh, making it before campaign ends, talking about what you didn't include it, but considered, could uh, work well for the campaign. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I will say that uh, this is really the first project I've been able to take from like conceptualization all the way to the end. Like I was sort of given the idea, like, hey, we want to kill Ool. How should we make this cool? And sort of ran with it. And it's been very interesting to see how a project like that develops over the months and over like well, here was the initial idea. We kind of drafted it together, but this isn't working. Let's change this. So a forum to discuss that once uh, once the shackles are off would definitely be interesting. 
I'm interested that why in Empty Thrones Kratos is mentioned, because I've read the book like one month ago, and there is only one person that I know is connected to the Denairastas. The so why? What? <laughs> well, don't forget about that S in the title. You know, it's not all going to be about uh, Ul is dead, or we wouldn't have put that yeah. in the <laughs> We can't tell the, the big twists. If you kill Alakia... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Because I, I, I was thinking about Palakia, uh, because, uh, in the Iopus book, there were mentioned those flesh forges. And it explained why Alakia wanted the Nairasta's help with the ritual of thorns, at least unofficially. The secret meetings in the, in the Bloodwood. So probably, I, I love maybe connected. I love how fans think. That's what I have to say on that. <laughs> it is difficult for me to sagely nod over uh, voice chat, but consider me doing that. And, and that's all you're getting. I, 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 I will say that the fact that the title is plural is intentional, and that you need to think not just literal thrones, but metaphorical ones as well. Shush it! You heard that's that? what I'm saying. I'm saying you can shush it. But you are saying that thrones or thorns... <laughs> Oh, yep. thrones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now we need questions from mm. Heather. But you know what? You should, you should release the book with the typo on the cover with empty thorns and see how people would react if it really turned out to <laughs> be a lucky... <laughs> We we, we realized that, that our entire campaign write-up and everything had a typo in all of the places that it happened. <laughs> uh, Cosmet has been asking questions for other people. If other people want to post questions in the Facetine channel, I think him asking the questions is working pretty well. That's true. But I Unless would like to say that margin. we have been known to have a lot of typos. That's Are you saying that one book wasn't supposed to be a sour book? It was not. But, you know, what else? I don't know if they know the Sour Book story. You want to tell the Sour Book story? Um, basically, the the template for the covers early on had a typo. Instead of saying an Earth on Source Book, um, it missed the C and so said an Earth on Sour Book. And I don't think it got caught until, like, the third PDF came out and people said, hey, wait, what's going on with this? And then we had to scramble to get the uh, huh, cover stuff at print. Fun. Or I think it was a case where it got caught and fixed, but the template didn't get updated, so when we used the template for the next thing, the error returned. Something along those lines. What I think, okay, so what happened is, is that it was one of the first books I was involved in. And so I'd seen the cover, I missed it, everybody missed it. Apparently... In fairness, if anybody remembered it was there before, they were, a certain person was told to fix it and that person had not fixed it and nobody really noticed it. It wasn't until it had been out in the hands of the Kickstarter backers that one of them, a non-English speaker, by the way, wasn't even an English speaker, who goes, hey, did you know that it's a sour book? And at this point, the cover was at the printer and it had like stopped really fast before it was produced. Otherwise, you would all have sour books. In, in, in fairness, fairness, 
in fairness, it is small print in a not particularly strongly contrasting font. But it was a non-English, a non-native English speaker who called it. Russ, no thing. It was the third printed word in the in the text, and we all missed it. Um. It, it can be very hard for someone when you have been working on a book for months, catch your own typos, um, because your brain will automatically fill in what you expect to see there, even if it's not what's actually. That's why you need to give PDFs to most loyal fans for proofreading, <laughs> which we do. The number of fixes I had to do for IOPOS after we released the initial preview. Like, it's, it's fantastic. It is wonderful, after the Kickstarters are closed, how great you guys are at proofreading. Much better than we are. Because we are the ones that want to find it, and you just want to uh, work it well. It's not that you are lazy, but you are hoping for the best. Yeah, they they do that since the Traver kick. No, Traver was the first Kickstarter. But now the Kickstarters are made when the text is ready, and this is one of the greatest things. Any other questions? Uh, you can write them in Polish if you want. I will translate them to Fasa. And the Basti, who speaks English, started to write instead of asking himself. What about campaigns? Basti, what campaigns? Empty, empty thrones are going. Auraya? Basti says he don't know any campaigns. Are you talking about uh, campaigns at the table? So like uh, support to run a long-term Earthdawn campaign? Is that what the question is? Wait a moment, please. Sure. Basti, come on. You can speak. Well, hello. 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 Hi, hello. Basti. I hope uh, anybody uh, hear me. Uh, no, uh, my mistake. I have a small Lucia here and... Uh, I forgot that uh, Empty the Thrones is a campaign. So ah, now yeah. it's, it will be a first campaign for... No, a second campaign for the fourth edition. Yeah, I, I can expand on that a little bit. Um, for those of you familiar with Prelude to War, this does take a similar approach where it's got uh, a number of arcs that can be run independently as like shorter campaigns, or you can string it together into a larger campaign. And then uh, on top of that, it... Uh, I delved... asked about this topic last year, I think, but maybe it's uh, a good topic to ask again. Sure. Uh, did you think about uh, contact with uh, other companies to make a board game uh, in the Erdon? Board games haven't been discussed as much as maybe we would like to at some point. Um, we've had some companies make overtures about video games, but so far none of them have really come to the table with a solid plan. So not much movement on board game yet, and the video game's been sketchy. Okay, Serial asks, uh, what is your favorite mechanic, the lore or creature that you would like to put in Player's Guide or GM's Guide? It's a good question. I'm thinking of a lot of lore right now. So many options. Mystic path. I, I do think that the uh, the paths um, expansion to the core rules like is so good that like to me it feels pretty core now. And if a if a new edition ever were to come out, um, I, I would feel like it is lacking until the paths showed back up. You know. 
Cool. Not that I'm saying, not that I'm saying a new edition yeah. is coming out. I'm not yeah, saying. Yeah, I, I, no. I wanted, I wanted to say that you are I'm, very strict about uh, <laughs> not giving anything about new edition uh, I, because I it's think not that needed this, for now. Yeah, this edition just has its legs. Uh, we, I, I know it's been several years, but I think all of us at Earth Dawn team feel like this edition is just now um, something that is yeah, has gained the trust of the fans. We're not about yeah, to start a new one. If you if you would start a new edition just now, I think it could hungry fans. But fortunately, yeah, that you is are not on our, against again. That is not on our thirtieth anniversary plan table for sure. Not not what we're doing. Um, I think Mystic Paths, though. What I was trying to say is that Mystic Paths is just a very good mechanic. Um, I mean, I also think talent knacks have always been very interesting, but kind of shuffled off to the side. They're, they're difficult to get into the core books, but I feel like they're such a core mechanic that I guess they would be my pick. I thought that Mystic Paths are considered core rulebook. But the question well, but... was to put it in the player's guide or game master's guide, and it, like that's how I took it at least. Yeah, I think I think we. You know, whenever we do any uh, any like big mechanical changes, like uh, you know, like questers or mystic paths, I mean, the goal really is to make it feel as organic a part of the game world as possible. Um, you know, rather than just like tacked on and and very splat book. You know, where it's just like, oh, I just bought this from Step. Um, you know, it really has to make sense within the existing framework of you know the fourth world. Uh, and I think like questers and paths, there was a lot of care taken to make sure that that was the case. So they do feel very core. Um, and obviously we have page limits, so we can't like shove yeah. everything in there. But like, I do feel like a lot of that, you know, it, it's pretty seamless, um, you know, from the, from the core rules to then adding those in. So hopefully, you know, people, uh, who play feel that as well. I would have to say that. And I'm kind of expanding the question to cover the companion as well, that I am kind of most disappointed that named horrors didn't make it into the sort of core, the three core books, um, just because the write-ups and stuff from them from the original horror source book are so incredibly flavorful. Um, but that's something that um, that's sort of material that is now kind of in a place that if we decide to tackle a new horrors focused source book to bring in not just some additional horrors beyond those, but also some more focused advice on running major horrors as a campaign style opponent. Um, that's something that is kind of vaguely on my radar of something that, that can be done at some point in the future, but nobody has been, uh, courageous enough to step forward and grab that and say that's the next thing that I am working on. Do a source book named like uh, Dragons versus Horrors or Godzilla versus Vergigorn. <laughs> Have a big we'll picture of Godzilla fighting Cthulhu fighting on the front. Yeah, we'll keep that in mind. Oh, uh, it's a good question. Uh, is there any interest to create a pre-scorch uh, material to run games for so like bar safe 1000 or something like this or 999 <laughs> i think that one of the things that uh, fourth edition especially has been particularly good at is talking about what things were like before the scourge uh so i think that we're 
to some extent providing some resources for people who might be interested in running that kind of a campaign. But uh, I, I, I don't want to speak for the whole team, but I think that uh, we are not particularly interested in exploring brand new worlds right now, but expanding uh, the focus on the fourth world. I think a lot of the resources there. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andy. I was going to say, I'd like to go back and let Morgan answer the rules question. Uh, For the player's guide and the game master's guide, um, given the space we had, I don't think there's anything that got missed uh, in those. For the companion, Josh and I have have talked about that, and we both agree that uh, it's a tragedy the name Forest didn't make it in there. But the good news is if we, as mentioned, do tackle that, there's uh, about 100 pages of them written. So that is a good start. Can I just be honest? The horrors book is on the horizon. It's just a matter of deciding who and when. Yeah. The uh, in, in going forward, what to include from the expanded material we've created uh, in the player's guide and the game master's guide is a difficult question because of time constraint or not time, uh, space constraints. How much can you include in there? I mean, as much as I'd love to include paths as the base mechanic, uh, given additional space, I'd rather incorporate higher circles and max at a more fundamental level than the bigger expansions that require additional lower and a lot more space to really flesh out. Uh, you know, I, I have a deep and abiding love for the questers and paths mechanics for what I hope are obvious reasons. Is the horror book the one that you said that it will have the same name as the one from the first edition or it's no. additional? No. It's different. All right. He's just pulling up a list of all the books and he's going to run through them one by one. Yeah, he's got X's marked next to several now. <laughs> no, I, I'm looking at the shelf right now, so... That honestly seems like something he would do. He likes to play Clue and he's, he's trying to figure out if the butler did it in, in, the, in, the, in the conservatory. <laughs> uh, Ooh, Car- it was Colonel Mustard. It's always Colonel Mustard. <laughs> my Carl, my feeling... Did... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, my feeling about creating content for games before the Scourge, while the sort of history chapters and and setting information has provided some info on that, if, because this, it hadn't even really occurred to me until now, but if a pre-Scourge campaign setting book were to be developed and I was involved with it, I would like to make sure that it feels different enough from base Earth Dawn like still using the core mechanics, but have a, like a different style and flavor and theme from Earth Dawn to make it distinctive and, and have it be something that's worthwhile. What that would look like, I haven't the faintest idea. Yeah, yeah, I think I think, you know, one of the one of the things we enjoy is is providing that history and background, partly because, you know, certain things might be left kind of unsaid uh, and, and kind of gaps left open for GMs to fill at their own tables. Uh, and then part of that part of the fun, which we think is, you know, a, a, a big part of Earth Dawn is kind of rediscovering the mysteries of this lost world from before the scourge. So the, the focus that we look at, uh, you know, when we're doing, you know, adventure or, or source book design or anything like that is really on, you know, how can how can elements of the old world, uh, you know, influence that mystery delving, uh, that mystery solving for for players and also, you know, how those old elements kind of shape the way things are today uh yeah i think i if someone wants to do a pre-scourge campaign i think you know the rules for adepts are still more or less the way they are uh obviously magic would look a lot different um it's something that would we i definitely 
be interested in seeing players, you know, uh, how, how they would work out. But uh, uh, yeah, I think it would take it takes some, some effort and we really do want to build out uh, what we have right now, you know, and really, really enrich the, the fourth world rather than kind of step back and kind of create a whole new set of uh, understandings for what that would look like. I know how the discussions would shift if you would uh, like let the spellcasters be what they like now before the score scourge when they don't have to use matrices and uh, the warriors and sword masters would write on the forums why I'm uh, not useful at combat uh, why the spellcasters are damage dealers so the opposite of what is now uh, when we are uh, approaching the topic of the pre-scourge or, or you wanted to like go out for it I have one question uh, what are the plans for the pre-scourge era artifacts like ivory codex because from what I think uh, the book of Harrows and uh, the ivory codex weren't the only items from the previous era of magic there aren't any specific plans that I know of Um, it is one of those things though that occasionally pops up and i think that ancient like truly ancient artifacts like those um bring a lot more opportunity to really like bend if not outright break the known rules of magic but probably not to explore them in any significant depth beyond hey here's this thing that does a weird thing and people are interested in it because it's powerful but understanding it is kind of beyond the generally speaking ability of most people to figure out because it's for lack of a better term like alien technology that doesn't mean it's actually aliens just means that it operates on completely different principles than they, than people are familiar with um but at the same time i don't want the setting to be completely dominated by that sort of thing i'd like to see them as a curiosity that gets dropped in here and there to allow game masters to explore on their own if they want um unless some really compelling story reason uh, presents otherwise. Yeah, because uh, I'm asking because Travar was, if I remember correctly, the first source book uh, after the or- original course. Yes. And it was like the main uh, focus, maybe not, not the main focus, but it was the focus of this source book. And I thought that, for example, Elven Nations would also have something like this and Iopos, something like this, like small frame with a secret to explore. And I was sad that there weren't any. I will say that Iopos totally gives you the opportunity to create that, though. They have a library with all sorts of stuff that people can't usually get their hands onto. If you wanted it, you just put it in there. It's just that we didn't create it for you. So what you're saying is you'd like to see some of those created. Uh, I'm uh, more like uh, Morgan in this approach that I don't want rules for creation, but I would like to see an examples of the stuff as an inspiration. But it also <laughs> alien artifacts. <laughs> well, we have these things called blog posts. 
And so maybe that's something that could be explored in a blog post where if somebody has an idea for it, they let us know or we come up with an idea and we let you guys know about it. The great thing about having some of the things like, again, and I posted having that great library with you, you know, all of the stuff in there, but we don't label it, is we can still put something in the library. So maybe that becomes a blog post sometime and we put something in the library. Yeah, I think also in the situation with regards to Iopos is that unlike Travar, which was sort of developed and designed as a base of operations for characters to operate out of, and therefore there are some mysteries that they might explore connected with the history of the city, Iopos is so fundamentally shaped by the Denerastis clan and the outcast that it it requires a very that it it doesn't that that had to be the focus that rather than oh here are some other weird like not really connected to much magical mysteries that you could explore everything in iopos is so fundamentally tied into the the clan and what they're up to that that it's all like i mean the the flesh forges are kind of that are are a mystery sort of along those lines for people from outside because they don't really know what's going on the malachite throne what it sort of there's some information on it but what it is where it came from you know how does it have the power that it has um the iopa itself the strange sort of magical stone crystal structure thing outside the city um presents a, a little bit of a of a mystery as well um but everything is so focused in that book on the denerastis and their interactions and what they're up to that there just really wasn't as much space to have random mysteries crop up and elven nations is also likewise kind of so informed behind the scenes by the long relationships between the ancient elves and the political and familial infightings between them that that kind of defines a lot of it um as well so like where it's appropriate I think those sorts of things can can work really well, but it might not necessarily be the best focus or or the best thing to drop into another source book if it doesn't kind of tie in somehow with with the other themes and ideas in it. Okay, any other questions? Nations, uh, Jolum asked about Nation of Bersafe source book. Um, are there any plans or any nation? You have a source book on. Elven Nations was that kind of source book, but to continue the the old tradition about fo- focusing on one race. I do think that kind of uh, dovetails with what we've been saying earlier about how, um, like first edition and third edition had a lot of those nation source books, right? Like it had Thrall, it had um, Carafad, Sky Raiders, all of that. Serpent and, River. Yeah, all of that's still really good stuff. And we don't want, like, we only really want to touch on places where it's different. Um, and we're hoping to get more and more opportunities for us to say, here's how things have changed. So we, now we can revisit those nation source books. Uh, so I think that is something that's uh, on our, our close horizon here. But that's the reason why you haven't seen one so far. I think we definitely have interest, is what I'm trying to say. And it's also a matter of figuring out how those would fit into 
other plans that we have as far as the ongoing development and story of Bar Save as a setting, where in one sense, Empty Thrones is like the the first indication that we are advancing things after kind of a, a like actively advancing things um, as opposed to uh, like, oh, new edition, we skip the timeline, um, but like actively that. And so we, you know, need to figure out, okay, well, in the wake of these events, events and the changes that'll come about as a result of empty thrones what's the next sort of thing that's going to happen in bar save a year two years of game time down the line and what can we do as books that will lead into that and that will be sort of the the follow-up to that and kind of getting a plan in place so that we can start dropping seeds and hints early enough so that when we then drop the next big bomb um, people can look back and go, oh, you know, here are, the, here are where they kind of laid the seeds for this. And because one of the things and part of the reason that Earth Dawn has been so enduring as a game from the first edition was that sense of ongoing story and campaign development. Okay, because I'm counting on asking questions when we won't be recording, I must say that I'm out of questions so we can finish the official part. Yeah, if anyone else has any questions, be sure to uh, drop them into the FASA team quickly here. Yep, last chance, guys. And if you don't think of them till later, many of us are fairly easy to find. And when Andy's not around, easily bribe (laughs) (laughs) I know that Andy is not around when you are recording your Survival Guide podcast, so I will hit you there. All right. Um, I know what's allowed on. Okay, so. Since no one is asking questions, I would like to end our first international uh, FASA team oricalcum convention. Maybe not convention, but the meeting. Uh, I invite you to to the sessions that are uh, still that still have uh, seats available for tonight. Uh, those are on our site and. Thank you once again for coming, for giving your secrets, your deeper secrets, and for your fantastic work that you are doing to please all the fans, despite them asking questions. Thank you very much that you've here with us. It was very nice to hear you. Thank you for having all of us. Yeah, thanks very much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.